0: Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now, onto the show.
1: Moving iron in the 21st century.
0: Good evening and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Market Rundown with Chip Nelnger. We're now part of the Global Ag Network. So Chip, we uh, saw some activity this week with the China purchasing of stuff. Uh, They bought some soybeans. Uh, First time in a long time they've done that. Um, I mean, I guess directly anyway that they bought that. Um, Wasn't as much as people were thinking, so there wasn't as much of a bang uh, as they were hoping for in the market. So what's your reaction to all that and where do you see things going?
1: Yeah, that, uh, that action uh, kind of confused a lot of people. It was just a classic buy the river, sell the fact. Um, you know, China, we finally got confirmation they bought beans. It ended up being uh, roughly 2.6, 2.7 million metric tons, is what it looked like um, for the week. So that was far under what was talked about. Five to eight million tons is kind of what was talked about. So it was a little bit of a disappointing reaction. The market sold off uh, pretty hard on Thursday on confirmation of that. Um, We had had a nice run-up into that. It was pretty well uh, publicized that uh, that meeting in Argentina went well and that China was going to buy uh, U.S. ag products. Um, Here's the deal, though. We don't know if they're done. Uh, We had a tweet Friday from uh, President Trump that uh, things are going well. China wants a deal. They're going to buy a massive amount, paraphrasing here, it's not a direct quote, but big amounts of U.S. ag products <clears throat> the market's heard that story before, and uh, it, it didn't pan out, so it's a little reluctant to uh, buy into that until they know more. Uh, and then Thursday Friday, we started getting a little more uh, of a uh, consensus in the, in the commercial grain channels and export channels uh, that China was also going to buy uh, U.S. wheat and corn. Um, we have not seen confirmation of that yet, so... Um, you know, wait and see. So we just kind of slopped sideways here. Beans uh, actually uh, went lower on the week. Um, didn't close all that well, but they're still, you know, very respectable. They're within a, a big uh, uptrend channel here. So um, no damage really yet, although you don't want to see them follow through this week to the downside. Corn actually closed fairly well in the upper end of the range. Um, one of the highest closes we've had in five months. We had a nice little breakout to the upside. Um, pretty good export sales in wheat in this week. So we've had a lot of things going mostly. Uh, most of the news has been around this China issue. And are they done buying? Are they going to buy more? Are they just starting? are they going to buy more, including you know corn, wheat, pork? Um, just we got to wait and see on that. So this coming week will be, uh, I'd say by the end of the week, pretty slow. Um, You know, starting to get into the holiday mode here by the end of the week. Uh, The market, I think, is hopeful of additional confirmation of some Chinese purchases. And obviously additional, just, you know, super hungry for additional news as it relates to this this trade issue. Uh, Very quietly, we've seen the funds start liquidating their short positions, their their net long corn. Um, I don't know the exact amount, 50,000 contracts. Uh, They're still short beans, they're still short wheat, but less so than they have been the last couple of weeks, so they're starting to to, uh, get into buy mode to exit those short positions that they've got left in beans and wheat. Coming in the end of the year, end of a quarter, end of a month, um, will they continue to buy and exit that position and take profits and give us a nice run into the end of the year? Or are we just going to kind of limp sideways here? So, uh, a lot is yet to be determined in the last uh, couple weeks of the uh, trading year here. And then you got holidays thrown in there, which means lighter volume. Typically, you don't do much, but now with the potential for news regarding China on a daily and hourly basis, uh, that light volume can actually uh, create bigger moves than expected uh, because. Smaller amounts of volume, whether that's uh, piling on the buy or the sell side, can move the market further when there's less volume because it's holiday. So things should get real interesting here in the next couple of weeks, depending on the news flow.
0: Okay. So, a couple of new stories I want to touch on with you here from this part of the week. There was a, a story out by Bloomberg, I believe, having to do with uh, the amount of, of hogs they were going to start culling over in uh, China, having to do with the, uh, the African swine flu deal that's going on over there um, basically anything 500 head or below was going to be uh, exterminated and then the, uh, the uh, producers over there are going to be reimbursed for that. I don't remember the exact number for that but there was a report that they were going to start heavily exporting or importing uh, U.S. hogs into, uh, into China. Have you you've seen anything materialize out of that or have you heard anything about that?
1: Well, I haven't heard a whole lot. I think that's been one of the supportive factors in the hog market for uh, you know a couple months now. We're well off the lows. Uh, we're not going straight up. We've got a lot of bullishness built in here, and the market actually has put a little correction in, kind of rallied back towards the end of the week. Um, so that obviously is front and center in the hog market, and it's going to continue to be so. We've, uh, especially these summer months, these deferred contracts, we have built a lot of premium in there uh, in anticipation of this. It's definitely an ongoing. Um, story that uh, is kind of dynamic, and you hear more and more about it every day. So, uh, if we get some final confirmation, that's going to be the case. And it, I mean, it sounds like that—that um, that is the case. It's still hard to put your finger on exactly how many hogs that is, but um, I do think that uh, that's going to continue to be supported. Does it mean we go straight up? Probably not. If we can combine that with some additional Chinese purchases of pork that could really spark us but we're going to need some things to go right and we're going to need some announcements and confirmation of of Chinese purchases here but in itself that story it continues to be supported but you have to understand also that that's been part of the reason we've rallied I don't know what it is, the lows, 20 bucks or more um, off the lows here three months ago uh, is this uh, swine flu issue and this continues to be ongoing and it doesn't sound like they've got a real good handle on it and that um, is part of the the fix, um, I think uh, that they hope anyway uh, is the start of a fix there to get that under control. So it's very supportive. But with that being said, there is some of that that's already built into prices, particularly the deferred contracts. But uh, it is something that could continue to spark us uh, and continue to, to rally this market um, going forward. So it's a, it's a good thing for U.S. Heart producers if they're going to uh, need to rebuild. It, it's kind of the opposite for. Soybean and meal demand, if they're going to be, you know, destroying animals there because of these health issues. So it's a double-edged sword there, but it's it's certainly um, supportive for our hog market uh, and demand going forward. You would expect until they get built back up on numbers, um, and it could kind of dovetail nicely with uh, this trade agreement and maybe have them in for uh, big amounts of, uh, of U.S. pork products as well. Right.
0: So the other thing that I want to talk about, and you hit on it a little bit earlier when we first got started, was um, so the corn and and beans and wheat even were, we're even thrown out on the table. Uh, China had it well. There's been articles written anyway that China has mentioned about buying U.S. corn. Um, what what would be what would be the net effect of and it all obviously revolves around the amount they buy, but. <clears throat> Is the market going to go crazy if they show up and buy 100 metric tons of corn? I mean, mean, what's your, what's your thoughts there?
1: Yeah, the original amount kicked around was 3 million tons. Mm-hmm. Um, that's way more than they bought for several years. Right. But in the big picture, that's roughly 100 million bushels or a little right. more. That's not a big deal. If it's a one and done, you know, 3 million tons, we told you we we're going to buy some U.S. products, there's, there's 100 million bushels of corn and that's it. Um, probably not a big deal. I mean, it certainly helps, but probably not a big deal. If that's three million tons, and they're going to do thirty million tons over the next twelve months, you know that's the difference between uh, a ten cent rally and a fifty cent rally, or more. So we just don't know. It's such an unknown. Um, you can make an argument, though. We've talked about this on um, podcasts before. You can make an argument, and they're very out in the open with their plans, right? They want to go to a 15% ethanol blend, uh, I think by 2020. Is it 2020 or 2022? It's mid- I think it's 2020, actually. So they're in the process of ramping up um, their ethanol over there. There's no way that they can supply the the, the stock, the, the grains, whether that's sorghum or corn or whatever that is, to um, supply that big of a buildup in, in ethanol. So you can really make an argument that beans, and they want to feed more DDGs, right? Supposedly, we've got the best and brightest uh, feed people and nutritionists from the United States over there showing them how to modernize their um, hog feeding for the most optimum gains. And DDGs play a part of that, which is just a byproduct of their ethanol industry. So it's, I mean, I'm not super smart, but I I can read the, the handwriting on the wall that they want to use less soybeans. They've already said that. Right, I mean, they're on record saying they want to reduce in a major way their sweeping demand there. Um, Why wouldn't uh, they want to increase the DDG side? Well, for a period of time, I don't think they can manage that. So it's it's easy to make a case that whether that's U.S. ethanol, whether that's U.S. DDGs, whether that's U.S. corn, that they're maybe for the long haul here, at least for a few years, going to be um, in the market for that. And personally, I don't think that the market, the corn market, is really ready for that. Maybe that will never come to pass. I don't know. Maybe it's just going to be 3 million tons. That's what the market seems to kind of think right now. But if we get any indication, and let's face it, they're not stupid either. They're not going to come out and tell you, yeah, we want to buy 30 million tons in the next six months because they know that prices will rally 40 or 50 cents on that news. So, you know, it's definitely something that's supported with the corn market longer term. But it's just going to be a waiting game right is it is it three million first of all we got to get the confirmation of the initial three million tons and then you have to figure out over time is that the start of um you know regular purchases or is that a one and done thing but it's definitely supported it's hard to answer your question casey if it's just three million tons you know you probably got a 10 cent rally coming Um, If that's the start of a whole process of a much bigger amount, it's going to be really good for the corn market. Keep in mind, too, we've got this January crop report coming out. I think it's on the 9th, but don't hold me to that. I don't have my calendar up here. Um, January 9th, final crop report. We get the final yields. That's going to be really important. The trend is now for lower. So if they continue to shave, you know, whatever it is, bushel and a half, two bushels off of the corn crop um, and increase demand from Chinese corn purchases, that's just going to shrink the carryout. World carryouts already shrinking. That's going to be get to be a friendly story in corn. So it's, um, in my opinion, the corn market's kind of taking the news a little bit relaxed. And uh, it could be a much bigger story, but it's going to take some confirmation of additional purchases. All
0: right. Okay, so let's shift gears a little bit. Let's go down <clears> to <throat> South America. Uh, sounds like the growing conditions they've had so far are... Optimal in Brazil and Argentina both sounds like they've had just great planting season and, and, a, and a great growing a growing year so far looking to have a, a, a Just a huge crop sounds like in, in soybeans uh, and those could be ready as soon as the middle of January, so How's that playing in the marketplace now? And, and where do you see? How's that gonna affect what's going on with China because they could jump in very easily and just say you know what? We did what we said we were gonna do. We did buy some some U.S. products we're going to go back to Brazil and, and see what we can do down there.
1: Yeah, I think that already has played in the market, uh, exactly what you said, right? Big big crop coming, um, 122 million tons, what the USDA said here uh, in the most recent report. Uh, it's about the same size as some private estimates out of Brazil. Uh, big crop coming there. It's not in the bin yet. They can still um, go backwards a little bit from there, but it, it, uh, it's a big crop. And I think that's part of the reason why the soybean market didn't do more on this news, because number one, you've got a lot of unpriced beans here. Um, you've got South American farmer that that hedges um, as well. And, um, you know, they're above the market and and ready to sell this rally. So I think that's part of the reason we ran into a roadblock and actually ended up the week lower in the bean market um, was... You know the fact uh, that you just said that there's plenty of beans in the world even if they're going to keep buying us beans yeah
0: so we, we don't talk about wheat much on here so let's talk about that a little bit you've had you know the ongoing saga in in russia and ukraine with uh, the, the drought situations they had earlier in the year and are they are they not going to put an export tax on uh, the wheat that come out of that area uh, sounds like australia here where they are getting ready to start harvesting their crop um, and it sounds like they've had Two or three years of pretty devastating drought so you know wheat for a while was kind of the 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 one thing that was kind of propping things up and really driving the market up what do you see with the wheat marker out right now and how do you see it shaping out?
1: yeah wheat finally is starting to do something to the upside we'll keep going or not i don't know but all those issues you mentioned we've strung two back-to-back uh, really strong weeks of export sales from the united states here um and and that's been supported. Um, uh, Russian wheat, Ukrainian wheat European wheat, cash prices continue to rally, that's telling you there's not a big supply left there, there's a meeting coming up this coming week out of Russia they're going to talk about um, you know and hopefully put out some news on what stocks uh, amounts they're going to have left to export and what they're going to do there so there's some explosiveness potentially here in the next 2-3 oh, uh, months in the wheat market um, you know, because we've got a big supply and it doesn't look like the rest of the world has a massive amount of exportable wheat. So we may be the big beneficiary of that. <clears throat> Maybe that started in the last two weeks. We've seen uh, much better exports than what we're used to. Um, some of the, you know, highest export sales that we've seen in, in many, many months, probably um, close to a year here in the last two weeks. So it's all starting um, to come together a little bit if you throw some Chinese purchases in there. Uh, the funds are short wheat. That could give us a nice little rally in the wheat market here and give producers maybe a, a chance um, You know, sometime in the first quarter to get some uh, uh, some better hedges in place. Keep in mind also we're going to have, uh, along with that final January crop report, the final U.S. wheat plantings number. That could be pretty, pretty volatile because – uh, we got super wet and cold and snowy there at, uh, and delayed planting. So we, you know, have a lot of discrepancies on exactly how much wheat was planted here, uh, this fall. And so that could be an explosive, uh, report as well, uh, there in, uh, the first, uh, 10 days of January on that, uh, USDA final wheat acreage number. Right. Okay. So
0: that was my next question. So going into, uh, you know, the fall, there's all the issues that came up with the, the wheat planting cycle. And, and I was down in Kansas over the weekend here, and we went, I was down south around Winfield, Utah area, uh, south of Wichita, there, and there was more cotton down there than I'd ever seen ever in my life. I mean, there was cotton everywhere where there was normally either corn or soybeans or wheat or something like that. There was just corn everywhere, or cotton every place. If the, um, the wheat areas that they were going to plant back, what do you think the big winner is going to be there uh, to replace those, those acres?
1: Yeah, I think that's a debate that's going to be uh, fought out here um, until like April or May. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so typically, historically, once you get the January crop report out of the way, then the market starts looking ahead and debating acreage. So that wheat's acreage number will be a big part of that. and uh, And I don't know. I think that remains to be seen. There's a wide variance of opinions on, um, number one, how many corn acres are going to be. Number two, uh, if those wheat acres didn't get planted, what will they go to? Cotton's in the mix. Um, Beans, corn. I don't know. That's a great question. I think the market has yet to fight that out, and it probably won't start fighting that out until we get that January crop report out of the way and that wheat (laughs) acreage number and then you kind of know where the playing field is and how many acres could, could swing. Um, but I think that's a great question that the market has yet to fight out and will uh, probably in the January, February, March time period.
0: Right on. All right, so let's bounce over to the protein complex. And It looks like, uh, you know, cattle have been not – they've been just kind of steady. They haven't really been doing a whole lot. They've been just kind of there. So what's your feeling for that, and, and where do you see – I mean, there's even been talk about the Chinese buying some beef – a little bit, and you've seen that kind of pop up here and there. Um, what What are you hearing about that, and where do you see the, the cattle market headed this week?
1: Yeah, you don't hear much about that. That may be more of a hope than anything. Uh, at this point, you haven't really heard a whole lot, um, you know, as much as you have about corn, beans, wheat, pork. Um, I think maybe it's a hope that U.S. beef could be included in that. The cash markets have been pretty firm the last couple of weeks. Um, You know, we've seen some nice buying, but we just can't get over that hump, right? So um, we're lacking that spark, and that could be weather, that could be Chinese purchases, it could be cash market related. Um, We could definitely still see uh, three or four, maybe $5 of upside in these uh, cattle prices, but um, it's just kind of quiet. You know, the funds, I think, are long. You're coming in the end of the year. Unless you can see a little bit of a friendly spark, uh, maybe this market, uh, my fear is that we maybe set back a little bit, not a lot, uh, but maybe set back just a little bit into the end of the year without a bullish spark. And that could come. It could be weather. It could be, you know, maybe it's, it's some China news. Um, maybe it's just cash market uh, explodes higher here. You, you just don't know. But the, I mean, the market, you have to listen to the market. The market is uh, up near the highs the last several weeks. And uh, that's telling me something, that uh, right now the path of least resistance has been um, four higher. Every break gets bought, and uh, the markets are slowly grinding higher. So that's a good, uh, maybe a, a, the good makings uh, of, uh, of a potential nice year-end uh, rally, especially if you get a little bit of friendly news in the equation. All right, Chip, well, looks like we've kind of covered
0: everything here, kind of looked back on the week and saw what we're going to kind of look forward to the rest of the week. So if folks have a plan that they want to work on with you or they have a plan that they just want you to review, how do they do that?
1: Yeah, that's way is just uh, call us at our office, 309-550-7213. Uh, we would love to chat with you and, uh, you know, see what you're doing currently and uh, give you some advice on uh, how you might be able to uh, improve that and execute better. Uh, lots of volatility coming. That's a good thing, but it's easy to get handcuffed with that volatility. So uh, you got to have a plan. Right on.
0: All right, Chip. Well, I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast, now part of the Global Ag Network. Till Tuesday, Chip, we'll talk to you then on Tuesday morning.
1: Okay. Have a good start to the week.
0: All right. You too, man. Thank you. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. Remember, if you want to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at moving iron podcast at movingironpodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Here you can find Morning Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax Moves with Glenn Birnbaum. Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. You'll be able to hear Dry Line Farmer Podcast, Girls Talk Ag, The Topsoil Podcast, Ag News Daily, Working Cows, Heifer Please, Throwback Iron, and Ask Agnes. Please visit MovingIronLLC.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at your favorite podcasting platform. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out.
1: Moving higher in the 21st century Hard-working people working hard for you and me Moving higher time and time again Through the years you'll find a scene